Amen. Well, those were the uh, baptisms we had uh, this past semester. Very encouraging. Uh, finding new ways to make it awesome. It's funny, I've got a GoPro camera that I strap to my chest, and it looks really awkward when I kind of dip in, but it makes a good shot, so it's totally worth it. Uh, a couple of announcements before we dive in. Uh, Saturday at 5 p.m. at the Santellan's house, there is going to be a new member's dinner. So make sure, hey, if uh, you, you haven't heard about this, George and Sherry are right here. Uh, we would love to have you, love to get to know you. So please, please be there Saturday, this Saturday, 5 p.m. Uh, second announcement is the books. If you did not get the book, draw the circle. Terry will have some uh, in the back. So please see her after service, and uh, she will be able to help you with that. Amen? Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Jeff Smith. Uh, my wife and I serve up in Denton, and we absolutely love it. It is a great place to be. All we were told by Ben and Susan was don't drink the water. So our first investment, we made sure we had a water filter. Uh, so, but other than that, it is great to be up in Denton. And, you know, I feel very honored uh, to be able to speak before you this morning. Um, just I feel like there's a plethora of great men and women here who have gone before us and really loved God and served God. And set a great example for us to follow. So, you know, my wife and I, and the, as long with the campus ministry, we just like to say thank you so much for all you do, all your hard work. We're so honored uh, to just be with you guys. You know, I feel like, you know, for this past semester, each one of these individuals that were baptized, it was just an answered prayer. You know, just an answered prayer is something we really, uh, we really fought hard for. I mean, we had no idea what to expect in the first semester. You know, my wife and I moved there this summer and just, okay, hey, whatever happens, happens. But just the mentality and the heart of the campus ministry, just to want to love God. And I feel the same way about the singles ministry and the marriage ministry up there. They just want to love God. And that's, that makes life really easy when you're in that environment. So I'm so encouraged to be up there. You know, one of the answered prayers was a brother, uh, the last guy that got baptized, his name is Richie. And uh, Richie studied the Bible for a while and really just, he, he really wrestled with his faith. You know, and eventually during this time, it came out that his family was just really pulling him to stay where he was at in his church and kind of in his, his comfortable area. And so this was, you know, when family pulls, it's hard. It is a very hard pull. But he knew in this moment, choosing Christ could mean losing a family. He understood that. And so that's why he wrestled. But, you know, I'm so grateful for him. He did his due diligence. He talked. He's like, hey, I want to make sure I do this and I get this right. And so he had talks with his family, and he's like, hey, help me understand. You know, I, I want to understand my faith more. You know, after those talks, I sat down with him, and he kind of explained to me what was going on. I said, hey, that's great. Hey, let's talk about the scriptures that were brought up so we can just argue, or not argue, discuss uh, maybe a few different things there. He's like, oh, nobody used scripture. And I said, well, what do you think about that? Well, that doesn't sound like a good, you know, place to be if you're following God and not using his word. He's like, you're right. And, uh, and so, you know what? Richie is now your brother in Christ. He's actually, uh, actually going to be coming back. You know, most of the students are here. A few more will be coming back tomorrow. Uh, school starts Tuesday. But, you know, I, I look at Richie, and on a lot of levels, the decision didn't make sense, right? Go against your family. Go against your heritage. Go against your upbringing. On a lot of levels, it doesn't make sense. But when we see God's love for us, and we see how much we love him, there's nothing we shouldn't be willing to do. 
There's no obstacle that we shouldn't be willing to fight to overcome when we love God and we know how much he loves us. And so today I want to talk about that type of faith. So the title of my lesson today is An Uncalculated Faith. Uncalculated Faith. So we're going to be in 1 Samuel 14, and we're going to be looking at Jonathan and his armor bearer. And, you know, this is a very, a very popular passage. I haven't preached it in Denton, so this is new to them, a lot of new disciples, so I feel good about that. But, you know, let's do a little background. So before Jonathan makes the decision to step out on faith and go and fight these battles here, there's not a lot of good going on in Israel at this time. Not a lot. Saul's army had shrunk from about 2,000 to 600. Saul disobeyed God by offering a sacrifice instead of waiting for Samuel to offer this sacrifice, 1 Samuel 13. And then eventually Samuel left because he's like, I don't want to be around, you know, this area. I don't want to see what's going to happen. These people aren't really putting God first. So Samuel leaves and he goes to Gibeah. And now at this point, Saul's been rejected as king. He's like, hey, you know what? I've got someone that's coming, a man after my own, a God's own heart, and he's going to replace you. So Saul's not doing well. The Israelite army's shrinking. It's not doing well. And honestly, they, if you look back, they had no real weapons either. The Philistines had raised their coffins, so they're like, they've got pitchforks, and they're ready to go to battle. At one point, only Saul and Jonathan had swords. If I was there, I'd be like, hey, guys, <laughs> I'll see you later. We, we're fighting with forks now. I'm out of here. God's not with us. Our spiritual leader's taking off. You know, I love, <laughs> I love my life too much. I'm out of here. That's just me. But Jonathan had something else on his mind. So let's go to chapter 14, verse 1. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migram. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. <clears throat> he was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of the Phineas, the son of Eli, the, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. <clears throat> so Jonathan decides that him and the armor bearer are just going to go take on the Philistine army. Hey, there's two of us. Let's go do this. I mean, it's probably a great plan. God's not really with, the, you know, God's not really looking highly on his father. Hey, nothing can hurt. Let's just do this. So Jonathan decides to step out on faith. And you know, and the story starts off by switching to Saul, and you see Saul sitting under this tree, really not doing anything. So he had made a mistake, and instead of owning up to that mistake, he decides, well, I'm just going to sit here and pout for a while. You know, I messed up. Oh, woe is me. You know, and one interesting thing to note here is that Heja was the high priest at the time, and he was wearing an ephod, ephod, ephod. He, uh, he was wearing this, and this was a special robe that were worn in times when they wanted to seek wisdom for God. So here you have the high priest. He's wearing the right clothes where we can seek God here and figure out what his plan for our life is. But instead of doing that, they're just sitting there. Just sitting there, kind of discouraged about life. Nexus 28 tells the passage about the robe, and it was traditionally worn with a breastplate. And this breastplate was covered with 12 stones, which each represented a tribe of Israel. And the breastplate was worn over the heart of <coughs> the high priest or whoever was going to wear it. So when they went to talk to God in the holy place, they could have all 12 tribes of Israel on their heart. 
So they're seeking wisdom from God. They've got the breastplate on to worship God, but here you see no mention of the breastplate, and nobody's really talking about God. This is very interesting to me. It's got me thinking, just because we're doing something spiritually doesn't necessarily we're doing what God wants us to do. Well, I'm, I'm being spiritual. I'm, I'm here. It doesn't necessarily mean we're doing what God wants us to do. Well, bro, you don't understand. I'm at church every Sunday. You're not talking. Is just showing up all God wants from me? Is it? What does God want from you? And each calling is different. I get that. But what does God want from you? You know, last week, Rob talked about, is Jesus your treasure or is this a tool in your box? Is it, is it your treasure, something you, you cannot be without, or is he something you pull out when you need it, when it's convenient? You know, I feel like when Jesus is our treasure, it's much easier to step out on faith. It's much easier to take that first step because there's a trust that God's going to take care of us. There's a trust that God's going to be there for us because we're here. We've been here. He is our treasure. But when he's just a tool in our box, Jesus becomes more of something we do when it's convenient to us. And that can't be. We've got to make Jesus our treasure. And so I appreciate Rob's lesson from last week. You know, Jonathan decided to make a decision. He's going to have faith in God here. He's going to have faith in God. And you know what? He probably had every right to stay put. (laughs) Situation was bad. He had every right to stay put, but he didn't. Because he had faith in God, he took that first step. You know, our group, one group that I've been very encouraged about uh, this semester is our young marriage ministry up in Denton. You know, one of the things that they've, they've had on their heart is just to love, you can cheer, that's okay. Um, the, one of the things they've had on their heart is just to love the new members. Just to love the new members. And so a few of them, once a month, would have them over, feed them breakfast, and, and do a new member's kind of study or just outline, just to encourage them and help them, teach them, but also get to know them. They don't have to do that. They're not in the same ministry. They don't have to do that. But they look and go, hey, I want to serve. This is the future coming up. How can I help? And I'm so grateful for that heart. You know, and I know Denton's a place where marriage are going to be coming and going because it's a college town. But while they're there, they wanted to make a difference. And I appreciate that heart. They want to take that first step of faith. And that faith inspires me. And so let's see what Jonathan's faith, faith leads him to. So Jonathan had this faith. Let's look at what it leads him to. You know, after examining the text, I feel like there are two different golden nuggets that we can grab. So number one, strength comes from God, not numbers. Strength comes from God, not numbers. So we're going to still be in 1 Samuel. We're going to be in chapter 14. We'll drop down to verse 4. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Boaz and the other Sini. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his younger, young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of the uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. So Jonathan has this idea. He says, all right, <clears throat> let's go fight someone. <laughs> and you know what? Perhaps it'll work out in our favor. Don't really have a game plan here. I know that we need to go fight, 
I know God believes in us, and if he saves us, great. If not, well, whatever. If that was the guy leading me, <laughs> hey, uh, are you sure? Do you want to talk to your dad? Like, let's rethink this. You know what I'm saying? But the armor bearer looked at him and said, I am with you. I am with you. Why? I bet he could see it in Jonathan's eyes. I bet he saw the faith in Jonathan's eyes. I believe we can do something amazing. Those are the type of people that I want to follow. You can just see it in their eyes, that faith, that desire to do something from God. And once you see that, it's contagious. It's contagious. It's inspiring. And that's what I want to do with my life. I want to make sure I have that faith. I have that fire for God. And I know at different points in our life, It'll be easy, it'll be difficult, that's fine, but will my fire ever burn out? I hope not. I hope not. Getting baptized with great-grandkids, she's on fire for the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Will that fire ever burn out in us? You know, I feel like a lot of times we can hide ourselves in programs. Don't get me wrong, I think there are amazing things that we do in programs. Financial peace class is coming up. Hey, if you're stuck in your finances and you need help, you need to show up because that's going to help you. That'll be awesome. Marriage dynamics, great class. My wife and I did it. Extremely helpful. But if the only time I talk about my marriage is during my marriage dynamics class, it's not going to help me at all because I'm not applying it to my life. But a lot of times, I believe, sometimes we can hide ourselves within our programs. Well, hey, I'm going to the class. Okay, good. Are you applying it? Are you acting out on it? Are you putting it in your life? What are you doing? And I think we can use the programs just kind of, hey, I'm glad I did something. And it's a just, it becomes part of the checklist, or checklist. You know, again, I'm so grateful, but if we're relying on them spiritually, we're in trouble. We are in trouble. Jonathan had the faith that the two of them could do great things for God. He had faith that two of them could do great things for God. Didn't have a quite planned out how it was going to happen. Knew what he wanted to accomplish, but he just stepped out on faith. Now, we're really excited to start this semester in Denton. Uh, we're going to start this semester with 40 campus students up there. And uh, our goal for the first two weeks of school is to reach out to 5,000 people. There are 50,000 college students in Denton uh, with between University of North Texas and Texas women. So we feel like if we reach the 5,000, we've reached 10% of the school. 10% of the school gets a chance to know about God. Why not? We have no real plan. It's like, hey, go out and share. Well, how? A lot? I mean, I don't know. What am I going to tell you? <laughs> Just get out and do it. And it works out mathematically if you're doing it at your head. It's about 125 a person, which boils down to about 62 to 63 a week. So for the five days, about 12 to 13 people a day. When you do it like that, you're like, oh, yeah, I could do that. But I think we see these numbers. Wow, 5,000. I'll never get there. That's 12 people a day for five days a week. We're giving you two days off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's totally doable. But I think we can overwhelm ourselves. And we can, well, God wants this. It's so much for me. No, God just wants you to be faithful. He wants you to have a dream. He wants you to go after that dream. And have that faith to take that first step. You know, recently the campus and Bible talk leaders from around Dallas had a chance to go up to Lawrence, Kansas. And we just got to meet with the, the brothers and sisters uh, in the heartland. 
and uh, their campus leaders and just had a great time of fellowship. Uh, Willie O'Quinn uh, leads the group up in Lawrence Shade Sun, and he's doing a great job. It was just, it was great to get time with him and see how spiritual he is now. It's phenomenal. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> I love Willie. He's a great guy. Uh, but, you know, one of the things he said, and this, and this stuck with me, he said there are, between the two groups of Texas and the Heartland, there are about 500 disciples between that two areas. And you're like, oh, that's pretty awesome. He said, but there's 1.265 million people or million college students on those campuses. So that means we've baptized 0.0004%. And you, you just sit there and go, there is a lot of work to be done. There is a lot of work to be done. And there's two ways you can react to that. One, you can be overwhelmed. Or two, you can be inspired. And I think when challenges come in our lives, are we overwhelmed? Or are we inspired to do more? Are we inspired to take that first step? Whatever it is in our lives, are we inspired to take that first step? Because we know how much God loves us, and we know how much God wants to be with us, and we know how much God's going to take care of us. Are we inspired to take that first step? You know, I think for me, the question I always ask, what can I do as just one man? Well, I'm just, well, I know I see what you want me to do, but I can't do it all. Campus feel the same way. Hey, I, you want me to evangelize my class? I can't do all that by myself. And what happens is we forget to see God. Maybe you're at work and you're like, hey, I can't reach out to all these people at work. Well, you can. You, you just, there's, there's something there. What is it? What's the fear there holding you back? What is it? Teens on campus, what is it? What's that fear, that, that obstacle you have to overcome just to, just, to, just to say something? Just to say something. What is it? You know, with God, it's never been about the numbers. But it's about putting your faith in him. And so we see all these numbers and all these things. You know, God doesn't really care about that. He wants to see what, how much you love him. What do you want to do? Whether it's evangelistically, you know, Josh Gamble did an amazing job talking about giving our contribution from our lives. What, what am I going to contribute? How can I help? Maybe I've got to help with ushering. Maybe that's what God needs me to do. You know what? We need help with ushering. We always need help with Kids Kingdom. In Denton, it's just my daughters. So Kids Kingdom's easy. But outside of, you know, but here we need help with Kids Kingdom. Where are we going to contribute? Where are we going to put our heart? You know, Jonathan made an uncalculated decision to step out on faith. And he had the mindset that maybe God will help us. I look at that and I go, what great faith. Maybe God will help us. Feel like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. You know what? God may save us in this fire, but if he doesn't, whatever. We're not going to bow down. I love that faith. I love that faith. We have to remember that strength comes from God. Number two, small act of faith can lead to great victory. 1 Samuel chapter 14, we're going to continue reading in verse 8. Jonathan said, come on then, we will cross over toward them and let, us, let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up, because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistine, the Hebrews are calling out of their holes. They were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer. 
followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in the area of about half an acre. So Jonathan is on his way to fight, and pretty much (coughs) the only tactical advantage he has going on here is the element of surprise. And the first thing he tells his armor bearer is he says, okay, first we're going to let him see it. (laughs) Okay. And then you think about it. He says, if they ask us to climb up, that's when we know God has given them into our hands. Again, this doesn't make sense. Because if you're climbing up a mountain, what are you using? Your hands, your feet, maybe you got your sword in your mouth. It just, this is probably, the, this is actually the area, Micmash, uh, they believe kind of this is where the battle could have taken place. So if I'm scaling those mountains, let's just say, all they really have to do is just start throwing rocks. There is zero tactical advantage. It is a terrible plan on paper. On paper, it's terrible. But with God, this is what Jonathan wanted to see. He said, if these things happen, we know God has given it to us. And they did. And he did. And God answered. <clears throat> you know, it reminds me of the story of Gideon, where God tells Gideon that he has too many men. Okay, we've got to go fight this battle. Now you got too many men. Wait, what? You know, Gideon's already feeling insecure. He's the least. He's the youngest. He's, he's already, he's hanging out in like a, a, the wine press. And he's just, it's not a good situation. But God says, I believe in you. You're a mighty warrior. Go. Now you've got too many men. Get rid of them. Uh, okay. Because God wanted them to see it wasn't about how many men. It wasn't about the army. It was about what God could do. This victory is not Gideon's. This victory is not Jonathan's or his armor bearers. This victory was God's. And I think Jonathan understood that. This victory is not about us. If we sneak up, we could take all the credit. Hey, we killed 20 men. Which, you know what? They could have. But Jonathan, I believe, wanted it to be clear this was going to be God's victory. God was still with us. Even though Saul had been, you know, rejected as king, even though many men had left, even though Samuel took off, God was still with him. And Jonathan believed that. You know, you look at your life sometimes, and, man, things are hard. You've got health issues. You've got just a terrible job. You're unhappy. You're working through stuff in your marriage, and you feel like God's gone. You do. You feel like God's left you. God's been there the whole time. And God wants to do great victory for you in these circumstances. Are we turning our eyes to him? Are we putting our eyes on him and letting him know that, God, you are still Lord of my life? You are still Lord of my life. You know, sometimes I just believe that the thing that gets in the way the most is fear. We're just afraid. We're afraid of stepping out on faith. We're afraid of doing something that is outside of our comfort zone. And instead of stepping out on faith, we decide we're just going to shrink back and be alone. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. God wants to be with us. God wants to have a relationship with us. You know, if you're visiting with us today and you're, you're like, man, I, I feel like I've blown it at so many different churches. I feel like the churches have been hypocritical. I feel like this, that, and the other. <clears throat> what have you done for God lately? You know, I encourage you to examine his word. I encourage you to dive in. What does the Bible say that it's calling you to? Because it's easy to point the finger. It's very easy to say, look at all the things that are wrong. But what does 
God calling you to do? I encourage you to study the Bible of the person that brought you there. You know, one of the greatest decisions of my life is when I moved from, uh, to Austin from San Diego. <clears throat> you know, I was spiritually stuck at that time. Uh, I just needed to change. And if you've ever been to San Diego, you understand. That's a hard move to make. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? I love Texas now, but San Diego. You understand? <clears throat> you know, at this point, my parents uh, had made the decision to move to New Hampshire uh, because there were some family health issues, and I was going to school at San Diego State, sort of. I was showing up sometimes, but I was like, I just wasn't doing well. And I knew that if I wanted to do well spiritually, I had to go. I had to go. And so I did. I moved to Texas. You know, and one of the things that was so convicting is how many disciples pulled me aside. It's like, are you okay? It's like, no, actually, that's why I'm taking off. Uh, but it was like, hey, why would you leave San Diego? I said, because I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. And I had to do it. So I drove to Texas on July 4th, 2006. It was about 100 and something outside. And my air conditioning was broken. And uh, I <laughs> drove through Phoenix. And so it's just like, there's a whole mess. I, you know, I've got the window down trying to blow the air in. But that air is hotter than the one in my car. I'm like, why? And I'm sitting there, why am I doing this? Why am I coming? <laughs> it, was, it was bad. But you know what? I got here, I showed up, and uh, Ben Borland met me at the door, and he's like, well, we got a couch. I was like, sounds good. And Ben and I lived together for like three years after that. Ben used to have really long hair, so he's like, hey, how's it going? I was like, <laughs> that's funny. I'll never forget that. So next time you see him, you can just flip your hair a little bit. You know, I moved here. I didn't have a job lined up. I hadn't gotten into school yet. I had a plan, I was going to go to community college for a year and then get to in-state and then go, but it wasn't really set up yet what I was going to do, but I just knew I was spiritually stuck. I knew I was spiritually stuck, and I just had to do something. What is God putting on your heart to do? What's that step of faith God wants you to take because you're feeling spiritually stuck? You know, I believe that's the day. That, that day, that move, that saved my soul. Taking that step on faith, that saved my soul. Because otherwise, I probably just hung around, hung around, hung around, and then walked away. I was just too comfortable. That move saved my soul, and I'm grateful for that. Now, Psalms 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God is our light. God is our stronghold. Then we need to decide to replace our fear with faith in God. We need to replace our fear with that faith. Jonathan's small act of faith to attack the Philistine army sent a ripple effect throughout the Israelite army. There was this wave of an inspiration. They were ready to fight again. The odds of two men defeating 20, 20 men while having to climb up a hill with no element of surprise were probably incalculable. It's just, you're not going to win. You've announced you're coming, you're not going to win. But God saw their faith. Didn't make sense, but God saw it and wanted to bless them. So I want to challenge you today to take that blind step of faith. Take that blind step of faith. Push away the fear that God wants, that God has, <laughs> that Satan has put in your life and God wants to take away. Push it away. And take that step of faith in whatever area that is. You know, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to, to be with you guys today. And right now what I want to do is I just want to give it to God. 
So we're going to pray here. Let me just pray for faith. We're going to pray for faith. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we're so thankful for all the things you do for us. We're so thankful for the ways you take care of us. God, the ways you, you give us hope and a future when all else seemed lost. God, I want to pray right now that we have the faith, God, to step out and do something amazing for you. God, to be who you are calling us to be in whatever element that is. God, we love you so very much. We pray all this in your son's holy name. Amen.